I'm in a uh, series of messages called Sphere Theory. Sphere Theory. Um, and uh, it's really kind of a, of a park on a couple of verses and on a concept that um, has kind of emerged for me probably about 10 years ago uh, where, I, where God began to deal with me about some of my ways of looking at things, especially my way of looking at leadership. And uh, this passage really spoke to me and helped me understand some things and, and really shifted my outlook on leadership, but it also shifted my outlook on life altogether. So uh, one of the things that is kind of difficult, if and I, I don't want to air my grievances, that's not what I'm doing, but, but one of the things that's kind of difficult about communicating in church life now is people don't come to church as often as they used to. So, so it's quite possible that someone could come once a month and call this their church home. It happens a lot. Uh, or they may come twice a month, or they may just be here every once in a while, and very few people are here every Sunday. And so um, this idea that I want to share with you guys today is uh, an idea that I started talking about last week, and I'm going to kind of back up and I don't want to assume anybody has this, and I don't want to assume we even got it the first time around. So I'm going to kind of back up a little bit and start uh, from the beginning just to make sure we as a church get, get built around this idea called sphere theory. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and a couple of verses starting in verse 12. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. We will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you, in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you. I'm taken by this idea, this phrase that Paul brought to his understanding of his ministry and his life, the measure of the sphere that God has apportioned to us. And I'm recognizing that every one of us has a sphere that's been assigned or apportioned to us. There are certain people that God puts in our the measure of what he's given to us or the sphere of what he's entrusted to us There's certain people, there's certain callings, uh, there are certain concerns. I think one of the ways to figure out what you're called to is what bothers you and what do you want to see get fixed. Um, There are certain responsibilities that God entrusts to you. In other words, like you are responsible for your kids in a way that no one else is responsible for your kids. Amen. Amen. 
And uh, there are certain privileges that come within your sphere. Uh, there, are, there is an anointing from heaven that is assigned to you for your sphere. There is a sphere of influence that God has given you, and all of those things are part of our God-assigned sphere, the measure of the sphere God's apportioned to you and to me. Sometimes our spheres will overlap, and I think that's a good thing, and that's what you're trying to find is the people whose spheres overlap with you. That's who you walk through life with. But I recognize that there are things that are in my assignment sphere, but there are also some things that are not. And what this does for me, and this is what I'd like to unpack in a few weeks as we journey through this, is one, it removes comparison to other people. It removes comparison to anybody else because their assignment is not my assignment. They are anointed for their assignment, and I'm anointed for my assignment. And so for me to compare what I'm doing, and sometimes, you know, you know, comparison is never good for you, but I mean, when you compare to somebody who's doing better, you feel bad. When you compare to somebody who's doing worse, you feel good, but that's not the right kind of good. So comparison is, is a no-win game. But eventually, you got to figure out what is your God-given assignment? What is, your, what is your sphere? What are the gifts that God has put into your life that equip you? And that's one of the ways you find out what your assignment is by what your gifts are. And when you recognize what your gifts are, when you recognize, you know, eventually this is what God has assigned me to do, um, and you get that sense of identity, then that's a very powerful place to live. It's a secure place to live. It's a, it's a strong place to live. And that's how you live out your purpose on this planet. I think there's also a dimension of this that Paul says, I'm praying that as your faith grows, other people who are within your sphere, as your faith grows, so will uh, my sphere, our sphere be enlarged. In other words, it really matters who's in your world. It matters a lot. And while we should all be friendly and we should be kind and loving to everyone, I'm going to encourage you to build your sphere out of people who want to go where you want to go, <laughs> who, are, who are full of faith, who are full of God, who are full of confidence, who are, who are moving forward, and, and what, what, you, what you build your friendships out of is super important. He's saying as the people that are in your world grow, you grow. Amen. Anybody awake here in this second service? So I like to picture my sphere as a solar system, uh, a, you know, sort of like our solar system, the sun is the center, and there are planets that revolve around that solar system, and orbiting around me, orbiting around you, are the things that make up your sphere, your solar system. So there is, there are, you know, your gifts, there are opportunities, there are people, and they are orbiting around that anointing, that, that gift, that call that is in your life. You are the center 
of your solar system. You're not the center of the solar system. You're not the center of the universe, right? God is that. And the truth is we are becoming part of his big story. He's the star of the story. We're just supporting cast, right? When I figure out what his story is and then I get involved in his story, I'm just finding my place in there. But the the big idea for me and the big shift for me was this concept of removing away from viewing leadership and then viewing life as kind of a top-down management approach to living where you've got a vision, now you're giving orders, you're giving direction, you're managing people, you're managing projects, you're command and control, and you're trying to manage this thing from a top-down idea. And I've begun to see that the way Jesus led, and I think the way God would want us to live and lead, is to really recognize that Jesus wasn't a command and control. There were people who wanted to be in his solar system. They wanted the culture that was around Jesus. They they wanted what he had to say and what he had to offer. And and if I could get us to see, move away from this top-down approach to life and this command and control approach to life and picture that the people who are in our world, the opportunities that are in our world, all of it emanates out of not so much what we do, but who we are. Right? And you picture your, your sphere as the associations, as the, the whole things that are around you. You are not the center of the universe, <laughs> you know? But life and people orbit around you. God is the center of my solar system. But once I've established that God is the center, then I have to realize that the most important person in my life is me. And the most important person in your life is you. And I don't mean that you should be put on a throne and worshiped. What I do mean is that there is a God who has given you an assignment, given you a a sphere of purpose, and he wants to pour out blessing and anointing and grace and power, he is unlimited. That's what makes him God. But the limitations in my life are not God, they're me. So the limitations in my life, in other words, I shrink my solar system or enlarge my solar system or my sphere according to my faith my capacity to take a risk, my love for the people that are in my world, my ceilings are, it's not God keeping me down. Many times it's me keeping me down. My thinking, my perspective, my attitude. God's a good God who wants to bless. He has unlimited capacity to bless, and he has unlimited desire to bless you to fulfill the assignment that he's given to you, but it really ends up becoming, I have got to keep increasing my capacity as the the one who's at the center of the solar system to receive everything he wants to give me. Everybody following that idea? And so 
So all of the things orbit kind of around me. And so I, I started talking about how do, you, how do you understand how your sphere works or your solar system works? And here's some ingredients uh, that I, I started with last week. Six key ingredients are attraction, presence, density, love, invitation, and culture. Attraction, presence, density, love, invitation, and culture. And I, I want to talk about this attraction idea just a little bit more. Because ultimately, you will attract according to who you are. So Mark 1, verse 17, Jesus said, follow me, I'm going to make you become fishers of men. We're called to be fishers, not hunters. Hunting is aggression. Fishing is attraction, right? When you go fishing, you got to have the right bait in order to attract what you want. Jesus called to be fishers of men. Our orbit is built out of the attraction factor that we have. The law of attraction literally is a law of creation. Genesis 1, verse 24 and 25, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind. Everybody say, after their kind. So cattle, creeping things, beasts of the earth, after their kind. It was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that all of that was good. You attract after your kind. So according to this verse, cattle attract cattle, creeps That's what the Bible says. <laughs> Attract creeps. Right? This is, this is the way God created it. Dogs attract dogs. Cats attract cats. So instead of changing what you do, sometimes you have to look at who you are because who we are attracts after our kind. Walk into a room with a bunch of diverse people and all the political arguers will find each other. All the people who love to worship Jesus will find each other. I don't know, maybe those two can go together. I don't know. I don't know how, but all the negative people will find each other. All the rebellious people will find each other. All the big thinkers will find each other. All the cynics will find each other. All the achievers will find each other. Why? Because we all attract after our kind. And what we attract or what we repel is really based on who we are. We don't reproduce what we want. We reproduce what we are. Because if you have the measles, you're not going to spread the chicken pox. <laughs> Hello? Even though you want to. So I'm saying and praying that we all get this. It's not so much about changing what you do. It's about embracing who you are. 
And I, I look at this and I, I recognize all of us, sometimes this is difficult stuff to face up to, but some people always attract people and some people always reject people or repel people rather. It's like some people, everybody just wants to be around them and some people, nobody wants to be around them. They probably want somebody to be around them. I think some people, I watch them, no matter what they do, their work, they seem to attract money and some people seem to repel it. Some people attract opportunities, but some people seem to attract problems. Like I was going from one problem to the next all the time. And, and I'm... I, I don't want anybody to feel bad about it, except I want you to stop and go, maybe I could shift some things and start to attract what I want by adjusting who I am. So, I mean, here's the way it works. And I don't know if you like money or not, and I'm, I'm not asking you to like money. I just think money is a tool to get things moving. Money is, money is a tool that's sending these guys to Nicaragua. Money is a tool that bought that land that allows us to feed kids. Money is a tool that helps spread the gospel. Money is a tool that can give you a car that runs. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, right? But I mean, eventually, we all got to go, what attracts money or repels money in my life? What attracts people or repels people in my life? What attracts opportunity or repels opportunity? What attracts problems or repels problems? What attracts the Holy Spirit? So that's what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes today. Here a few ideas about growing attractive, about growing your attraction factor. Right? I'm going to give you six ideas, and I'm going to finish on time. That's my intention. Number one is this, faith. Faith makes you attractive to God. Let me try it again. Faith makes you attractive to God. It does. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Must believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now hear me, hear me out on this one. Just suspend any preconceptions and just let me, let me talk this through with you. Faith is not this odd contortion of words or catchphrases. Faith is this positive confidence that God will keep his word. Right? And the truth is sometimes we want God to be moved by our need, but God is not moved by need because if God was moved by need, the neediest places on the earth would be having the greatest move of God. As you read through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus was drawn 
attracted to people who had faith. So there, he's walking through, the, through this crowd of people, and he's on his way to heal someone. And this, this woman reaches through the crowd and with faith grabs a hold of the hem of his garment, and he stops and said, who touched me? And the disciples go, everybody touched me. You're, being, you're surrounded. He goes, no, somebody, somebody reached out with faith. They weren't just hanging around me. They weren't just going to church. They actually reached out with some faith to touch me. And he tells the woman, your faith has made you well. There was a lady who was asking Jesus to heal her child. And Jesus said, you're a Gentile. I don't have anything to do with you. With you dogs. This is what Jesus said to her. How to win friends and influence people. I don't, have anything to, I don't have anything to do with you Gentile dogs. And she goes, even dogs get the crumbs that fall off the table. Remember that story? Even dogs get the crumbs that fall. And Jesus goes, wow, I haven't seen faith like this. Your faith has healed your child. I love worship. I love prayer. I love devotion, as you, if you will. But worship that's not filled with faith is not going to get you anywhere. And prayer that's not filled with faith, God is attracted to faith. That's what he likes. That's what he's drawn to. Faith is the currency of heaven. Currency is what moves double stuff Oreos from the store to my house. <laughs> that's what currency does. <laughs> Amen. You know, double stuff Oreos are the real Oreos because single stuff Oreos are just diet Oreos, right? <laughs> so, but currency moves something from one place to another. And faith is the currency of heaven. Faith moves heaven to the earth. That's the, that's the connection. Not, not the need, not even the devotion or the worship or the prayer in and of itself but that spirit of faith. And I'm not, I want us to get this idea. I'm not saying that's always an easy thing to have this, I believe in God, but that's how you make yourself attractive to heaven. That's how you make yourself attractive. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's a fairly strong, absolute statement. And I just find that not heaven is drawn to faith. People are drawn to faith-filled, positive people. Opportunity is attracted to faith. Miracles are attracted to faith. Faith will make you attractive to what's right. Second thing is integrity. Integrity will make you attractive to God and to people. Proverbs 3, verse 22, for the crooked man is an abomination to the Lord, but he, the Lord, is intimate, is drawn to the upright. God is drawn to the person who lives with integrity. People are drawn to people who live with integrity. We all know you're not going to hang around long with somebody you feel like you can't trust. 
right? And, you know, you've met somebody, and you, as soon as you met them, there's something in you, you know, you just get this ick, ew. You ever had that ew feeling about somebody at your spirit saying, watch out, ew. They got an agenda. They got some little deal going on. But when there's somebody that you feel like they have integrity, which is not somebody who's legalistic, who has a bunch of rules and regulations that are tacked on the wall, but somebody who actually loves truth on the inside. And, and it doesn't mean perfect. It just means I want the truth. I want to tell the truth. I want to live by the truth. I want to face the truth. I'm going to honor the truth. I'm either going to start with the truth or end with the truth, but I got to face the truth somewhere. And I love the truth. And this something about integrity is attractive. People want that. I think, I think some of the political upheaval that's going on in our nation right now is because people have gotten so sick of the politics and the political correctness game and the idea that you don't even know who's telling you the truth anymore. You don't know if the news is telling you the truth. You don't know if the politician's telling you the truth. You don't know who's telling you the truth. And I'm not saying we've <laughs> solved the problem at all, but I do think people are backing up and going, I'm tired of this fake news stuff. I'm tired of this fake leader stuff. I want somebody who lives by the truth. And people are drawn to that. Integrity is a very attractive thing. Don't compromise your integrity to try to get any kind of advantage because eventually you're going to repel all the good things that God wants to put in your life. All right, number three, uh, how do you grow your uh, attraction factor? How do you grow attractive is joy. Your joy is your strength. Your joy attracts people. <laughs> Everybody wants to be around a happy person. And, I, and again, this is like having the spirit of faith. You got to make a choice to be happy. You got to make a choice to live in joy. You got to make a choice to smile. Just try it. Okay, don't. Just try it. Joy attracts people. You know what makes a boring marriage? Boring people. <laughs> Here I go. It's okay to be a happy wife. Amen. It's, it's way okay to be a happy husband. It's okay to be a happy mama. Mm. <laughs> 
I'm just saying, if you want to keep, if you want to be attractive to your kids, you can't be fussing at them all the time. If you want to stay attractive to your spouse, you can't be cranky. <laughs> Somebody's going, Ooh, I hope he is listening to this. I hope he's listening to this. Come on, joy will make you attractive. And you've got to put on the garment of praise. Put on your joy. Fourth idea is this, uh, is love will make you attractive. Now, I'm going to spend more, a lot of time on this further on, but I just want to kind of sow some thoughts. This is a big revelation for, for me, this concept. Colossians 3, verse 14. Beyond all things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So love is the perfect bond of unity. Love is the gravity that holds a solar system together. When I used to think about leadership, I used to think a leader has a vision and they disperses responsibilities to get the vision accomplished. But here's what I begin to realize about vision. Vision can get people divided as well as it can unify. And eventually, at some point, you are going to see it different than I do. Whether you're married, whether it's your church, whether it's your work, whether it's your kids, whether it's your friends, eventually you're going to go, I can't believe you voted for him. I can't believe you voted for her. Vision is an important thing. But I'm saying to you that Captain and Tennille told us well years ago, love will keep us together. And I would say, if I could have the opportunity to preach this to the world, it would help, I think it would help our country a lot. Because, yeah, you might see it a little different than I see it, but if I love you and you love me, love will overlook Faults. Love will overlook offenses. Love will overlook stupid. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Come on, will it? Anybody hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm saying if you love your kids, you're going to be attractive to them. If you, if you, love, if you love your church, then you're going to stick with it. Fifth thing is this, enthusiasm. And uh, I keep running out of time on this message, but enthusiasm, I just want to say enthusiasm is attractive. People are drawn to people who are enthusiastic about life. There's nothing appealing about somebody always walking around down in the dumps. In theos, enthusiasm. In theos means in God. Living enthusiastically with joy is a very attractive thing. 
I just got to imagine how attracted the Holy Spirit would be to a church of people that are enthusiastically worshiping God. Like all of us, not just the first three rows, but all of us, there's something, there's, there's an ingredient called wholehearted that makes a big difference. And enthusiasm will, and I'm not talking about fake, but I'm talking about enthusiastic, you're giving it your best, make you attractive. And then the last thing is this idea, a personal revelation of who you are and what you have in Christ. So here's, here's one of the big concepts of this sphere theory. Until you can be happy with you, you're not going to be happy with anyone else or anything else. And born out of insecurity is comparison, jealousy, envy, competition. Because until you realize this is who I am in Christ and this is my assignment in Christ, you're always going to be jealous or envious or competitive or comparing. And I'm just saying it's very attractive to be happy with yourself, be happy in your own skin. You've accepted Jesus into your life. Now accept you into your life. I think when we get a revelation of who we are and what we have in Christ, I, I remember the, the dialogue that Jesus had with Peter, and, and he, he says, you know, Peter gets a revelation of who Jesus is, and then Jesus says to him, Matthew 16, 18, I say to you that you're Peter. Like, here's your identity. Your identity used to be Simon the Reed. Now your identity is Peter the Rock, and upon this rock of revelation, not only revelation of who Jesus is, but revelation of who you are, Upon that rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. When you find God, you can find yourself. When you find God, you can find your assignment. I want to pray with you today. I want to ask you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes for just a moment. I just want to pray. Father, as we are before you looking at your word, I am praying for the lights to come on, the aha moments. God, for every person in this room to be able to embrace the assignment, the measure, the sphere, the solar system that you've handed to them, God, and to pour themselves into it with enthusiastic joy and love. Father, I'm believing that you're going to remove from us any kind of envy or jealousy or comparisons. Then we embrace the life you've given to us. And then we grow that life. Father, I'm praying for everybody in this room that has not yet put you at the center. Because that's where it all starts. 
If you're here today, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, please. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, I have never actually allowed Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I've never made him the center of my life. I would love to pray with you and let's start that journey. It's not a call to get your act together. It's not a call to be perfect. It's just a call to open your heart to say, God, I want you at the center. Maybe you're here today and there was a time when you used to be closer to God than you are today. You know it's time for you to come home, come back. I would love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and you feel unsure about where you really stand with God. And I would just love for you to walk out of this room with a sense of confidence that your life is in the hands of a God who loves you. So all over this room, just while we're in a prayer moment, you want to give your life to Christ, you want to come back to Him, you want to pray just to to know for sure that you're right with God. If that's you, would you lift your hand real high and just say, yeah, that's me, pray for me. God bless you, sir. Come on, God bless you, thank you. Come on, no shame in this, just, hey, this is just an open heart. God bless you, thank you so much. God bless you, thank you so much, God bless you. Amen, we're for you. Come, we're for you. Anybody that's ever gotten right with God had a moment like this where they just said, God, I'm not going to run from you any longer. I'm going to put you front and center. I'm going to follow after you. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. And it's a beautiful journey to get on, to live the God-blessed, God-empowered kind of life. Is there anybody else that would say, yeah, I just need to come to Jesus I need to enthrone him as Lord of my life. I need to get back right with God again. Come on, anybody else? Thank you so much. I want us to pray together. This is for everybody that lifted their hand, but let's, can we just join together to say this? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I give my life to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. God bless you guys.